Are you struggling with fear, depression, or anxiety? Are you in search of meaning and purpose? Would you like help navigating your current life circumstances? Tarot can help. Tarot is a powerful tool for healing, introspection, and spiritual awakening. The Esoteric Toolkit is a synthesis of ancient wisdom and modern science. It consists of tarot, numerology, astrology, and the hermetic principles in conjunction with the modern science of consciousness. The revelation and application of this knowledge gives you the tools you need to help master your life, organize your mind, and overcome depression, fear, and anxiety. Learn to manifest your dreams and come into alignment with your highest self and the universe. Book your private one-on-one -on -one tarot reading today. Click the link in the description or go to www.theorderofchaosmagic.com. You can also find monthly tarot packages, a private Discord community featuring shadow work, and Mercury retrograde support groups, and much more by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash theorderofchaos. All right, welcome back to the Order of Chaos podcast. Today I have with me Hagen von Tullian, returning for a second time to the show, and we're going to be discussing his new seminar, Stellar Gnosis, the Necronomicon, Alien Gods, and Chaos Magic. And I'm so excited for this episode, so all that is coming up today on the Order of Chaos podcast. Fine, thank you. Uh, it's great to be here again. We had also a very great and inspiring and lovely interview before here on your on your very nice podcast. And so I'm I'm really happy and I'm that I'm I will be here again with you. Yeah, that we could discuss my new seminar. I think we will have a good good chat here to, tonight. Yeah, I agree. This is a fascinating topic. Uh, it's one that I've really kind of looked into. I've used it. I've gone back and forth about how I feel about it, and I think a lot of occultists feel this way about the topic of the Necronomicon. And so I'm, I'm really excited to hear your perspective on all this. Um, I, I, you know, after our last conversation, I've, I've always told people, I think of you as like a chaos magic purist. And I think that that is so cool. And I, I love hearing your perspective on things. So right off the gate, what inspires you to create this new seminar? Yeah. Uh, we want to reach for the stars. I think that's it. We want to reach for the stars. Just imagine, uh, I think you and maybe all of our listeners now had the experience uh, some in some in time in their life just lying there on the ground in a dark night with a very clear sky without any clouds, without the moon, and you were lying there on your back and looking up into the into the sky and see all the stars, the Milky Way, and you had this this feeling, this, this feeling of awe, uh, because of you realize the, the immense vastness of this surrounding universe, yeah, and it's a, it's a special kind of feeling, and even this feeling is kind of magical, and so as a magician, we want to use this stuff, and uh, so 
basically magic starts with very elementary uh, stuff. Uh, the elements, yeah, basic. Uh, the elements are are very basic in magic. Yeah? We have we have earth, we have air, we have water, we have fire. These are all the components which are. Yeah, which are the main parts, the main components of our planet Earth. Yeah, we have uh, we have the Earth, we have the rocks, we have the, the uh, all the flora and everything. Yeah, which is uh, which is which surrounds us. We have uh, immensely amounts of water on our planet. We are surrounded by air. We need air, and there's fire, fire, uh, there's the heat from the sun, the, the heat from the center of, of our planet, and and so this is very basic, and uh, and it's also very magical. Many people speculate that uh, this was one of the first, how to say, the, these were the first categories of, of magic uh, because you could attribute so much to it. You could attribute the, uh, the elements as I described them. You, you can attribute the, the four di directions, north, south, east and west. You could also attribute um, personal uh, things of humans, for example, the bodies, the emotions, uh, the thoughts, the, and and the passions, and the will, and stuff like this. And a lot of people are speculating that the elements may have been the first uh, coordinates, the first structures uh, for humankind uh, to 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 practice their magic. And then later on, it could be that uh, the gods were appearing. Maybe people were attributing godlike uh, attributes to the elements so, or to, to phenomena in, in their natural surroundings. For example, uh, there were gods of thunder and lightning, for example, or fire gods. and But not only gods, but spirits, uh, everything. and. But later on, uh, the gods became very uh, specific, not only for, for natural phenomena, but also they represent a lot of human qualities, human forces. Uh, for example, yeah, they were specialists in the area. When you have, for example, a goddess or a god of love, uh, it's a very human uh, quality, and uh, this god form, uh, it could be female or it could be male, represents everything which you could connect with this idea of love, for example. Yeah? And so, the, so in comparison to the, to the elements, which are very nature-oriented, and uh, the gods later became more human, uh, centered, maybe you could say it's a kind of the first psychological uh, paradigm. Somehow, every good pantheon in every mythology represents uh, a very comprehensive psychology. You have entities for love, as I said before. Uh, you have entities for 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 war, for hate, for vitality. Entities for wisdom, for communication, and so on. And of course, uh, for the for the real basic stuff in human life, for sex and for death. Yeah, and you always have entities which are specialists of of human qualities. So we have the elements, the orientation in nature, we have the psychological makeup of humans, and this is mostly what is around here. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, but magic always likes to push the frontier. Uh, really apart and uh, likes likes to look forward. So, what will if we have the, the nature of our planet? If we have uh, have uh, the nature of, of our planet Earth? If we have the planets of our solar system? What would be the next step? Yeah, it would be uh, the the uh, before mentioned immense vastness of the universe which surrounds us, and we are part. We are a small part uh, of the universe. Meanwhile, we know that the Earth is not the center of the universe. That uh, humankind is not the center of the universe, and so there is there is so much there uh, uh, which is surrounding us. And yeah, and. So with with uh, stellar noses, with stellar magic, we want to we want to reach for the stars. We want to see what kind of of knowledge, what kind of wisdom, what kind of power could we find there in in, the, in this universe, and how could we access it? And that's the main main thing uh, in in stellar noses, uh, and which I want to present in my in my in my upcoming seminar and. Uh, and we want to reach for these these areas for these realms we need some some models how to orientate ourselves and uh, so uh, one of these models for example uh, is the necronomicon mythos which was created mainly or firstly by by hp lovecraft and this is quite an could be quite an interesting model to navigate these these dimensions these areas yeah, absolutely. And to touch on what you said in the beginning, I think every person out there who practices magic of any kind can really relate to what you were saying about just looking up at the night sky and wondering. Uh, I think that, that that wonder is the the core of what magic really is. Yeah, and yeah, what, yeah. what I find to be really interesting, uh, as you were saying, you know, as mankind evolves, we were looking to the elements in the beginning and attributing them with, with as magical phenomenon. And we still do, and rightly so they are. Um, but as we move further and further away from our immediate surroundings in our awareness, as we look deeper into ideas like outer space, what we're doing at the same time is looking deeper inward to our, into ourselves and into this, the, the human psyche, as you were saying, and into archetypes of consciousness and, and the archetypes even of the subconscious which is a which is a fascinating topic because it's 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 almost un, it's as untouchable as the outer reaches of space and yet we know it's there and we can look at it by going inward and that brings me to one of the the great occult secrets uh as above so below as within so without and as we look out into space simultaneously we're looking inward further and further into the human psyche and i mean that's really the essence of what magic is 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 understanding the correlation between your inner world and your outer world and looking deeper and deeper into both so that's cool. That's phenomenal. Um, and I think that, like, as you were saying, the Necronomicon could be a really interesting way to explore that topic. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that you are bringing up these uh, uh, old uh, axiom of as above, so below, as within, uh, so without. And I also will touch upon these points in my, in my seminar, yeah? exactly like, like yeah. you described it, yeah? because you can't differentiate it. Yeah? You always, if you're looking outside, you also look deep within. Yeah. And yeah. And you're looking deeper as we evolve. We're looking deeper and deeper in, in both directions. And it's, it's truly fascinating. So 
my next question, and this is one, this is a hot topic <laughs> among occultists everywhere. I, I hear arguments about this all the time. Do you personally feel that when H.P. Lovecraft was creating the concept of Necronomicon and when he was writing his works, do you feel that he was in a way channeling or, or receiving a form of stellar gnosis himself? Or are these pure works of fiction that happen to correspond so well with what we as magicians do and believe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is really a hot topic. It's an excellent question. Yeah, that we, we we really have to address this point. Yeah, because it's as you said, it's coming up all the time. Yeah, this discussion. But mainly because it's coming up, it's mainly uh, yeah, it's basically the old question. Yeah, uh, uh, it's the old question: Are these all these these entities? Are these gods? Are these spirits? Are they real? Are they existing there, independent of us, or are they only? existing for example in our psyche in our subconsciousness or something exists is it something that was there that was there before humankind was created or where the gods created by humankind yeah mm -hmm. uh, so this is the old question of the hen or and the egg which can came before or is there really a, or in this case even better is there really a difference yeah and right. At the moment, we 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 cannot give a, a definite and ultimate answer to this to this question. I would say, and uh, a lot of of great magicians uh, and um, traditions and systems that approach magic, uh, at the end they came up with, yeah, we don't care. I don't care. Yeah. If it's, if it's <laughs> If it's 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 your choice of belief yeah if you believe that it's uh, exists independent of you if, if it exists in a dimension in the uh, independent in another dimension or another realm independent of you then it's your belief and then it will work exactly how you want to, uh, want to have it and on the other way around it works exactly the same thing yeah? and some some systems really are switching uh, through these both op opinions or these options and so uh yeah, personally, in my experience, also when I was a beginner, I wanted to wanted to, I wanted to have some some facts, some some absolutes, or so and to orient my myself in this in this amount of interesting stuff which which I was exploring and uh, when I came to magic. So it, always as a beginner, you want to have some some fixed point where you can orientate yourself and. And when you are, when you will be confronted with this question, yeah, is it for real? Is it for fic is it fiction or is it it's, it's human made? Uh, yeah, this is one of the first questions. But as I said, uh, if it works, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, I don't care. And uh, and maybe it's it's not really a difference. Yeah, as we just said before, uh, as above so below, as within so without. Maybe both of these approaches are real. Maybe there is a combination. Which which really fits, yeah. Uh, at the end, we don't know. Uh, we don't know if, if if gods or spirits or these kind of entities exist because nobody have ever met uh, one of these entities like in the flesh, like like we like we are meeting other humans in the flesh, yeah. And we also don't know if the if the gods existed before us, if they have created us in our in their image, or it, it was if it was the other way around. Uh, it could also be that, uh, um, yeah, like I said before, when people in former times on Earth they were uh, attributing uh, qualities of 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 personality to some nat nature phenomena, like like the god of thunder, they created or invented maybe the god of thunder because they uh, they in this way they were able to address 
this kind of energy, this kind of God form even better when they are saying, ah, oh, this is a God of thunder and he has this and this name and he has this and this attributes. And so it was uh, this power, this force, this, this, this phenomenon uh, was much more easier to address for these people if they, are, if they were personifying this, this phenomenon. And this is uh, a thing which is going on all the time uh, on, on Earth because humans are used to uh, communicate with each other. This is the only thing how we survived in the former days as a kind of tribe, as together with others. As, as hermits, yeah, and we were not would have not been able to fight as hermits with with a, with a, with a, with, a, with the tigers and with, with all these dangerous animals or with a, with some fighting tribes or clans or something like this. Only as as a community, as together as a tribe, as as a family, as a clan, and everything we were able to 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 survive. And so we were used to to communicate, to address other people. And so it's quite natural for us to. To address also uh, phenomena that we that we that we receive as as spirits or as entities or as gods, and coming back to to the beginning of your question, yeah, and what is the case with H.P. Lovecraft? Because a lot of people say, yeah, this 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 is not real magic because uh, Lovecraft invented it, or maybe he gets some 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 dreams, some nightmares. So it's not it's not really. Uh, a real system it's it's only a pulp fiction story and so and you can't work magic but as i wanted to show in my with my explanations before we don't know how all the other stuff started maybe the gods were also some stories that some people invented in former some thousands of decades ago some some hundred thousand years when we were then we were sitting at the fire they were inventing stories yeah to to and out of this, the gods, the gods evolved. Maybe it was the same process like with with uh, with which H.P. Lovecraft did, yeah. In some form, we don't know exactly. But what we know uh, for sure is that the the ideas of Lovecraft, the Necronomicon mythos, and all these ideas, they are very very popular till this day, and they can't, they don't stop to fascinate a lot of people. In some in some pulp way, in some tribal ways, also in, in a lot of esoteric ways. Uh, even if when Lovecraft said, "Yeah, he's an atheist and he don't believe in all this stuff," yeah, and but yeah, you could say a lot of people uh, speculated that he may have tapped into something that was beyond his belief systems, or so that he made access. So this could be. This could be. And but it somehow we don't know. We will. I don't know if we will ever know this exactly, but. What we know is that there is something uh, which was coming from from his ideas or from from his writings at, at the end, which really fascinates us and a lot of people. Uh, I will also demonstrate in my uh, in my seminar um, uh, how a lot of of magicians were were really fascinated by these ideas by from Lovecraft with the Necronomicon mythos. And because a lot of magicians also saw have thought about yeah what is there outside what is is there something extraterrestrial something greater human or so yeah uh, for example Alistair Crowley he said that maybe Ivers uh, who just dictated the Book of Law was an extraterrestrial 
And uh, we know that Kenneth Grant was really interested in these extraterrestrial endeavors. The whole purpose of the new ISIS lodge was to make contact with these kind of areas, yeah, with this extraterrestrial stuff. Also, Kenneth Grant was also very interested in the Necronomicon ideas and in the Necronomicon visas. Michael Bertio also, yeah, he also was uh, or still is uh, very much involved. And yeah, I will give a, a quite a short. Uh, overview of all these occultists or all these elitists and of modern times who are maybe not a comprehensive over overview but but of, of some very striking persons excellent um yeah i couldn't agree with you more in in my opinion and this is why i love chaos magic it it truly doesn't matter what matters is is are you able to mold your belief system to fit with this system and does it work for you i think that a lot of people who are starting out on some sort of spiritual path or, or witchcraft practice are looking for objective truth. And they really want that. They need that to latch onto and say, okay, this practice is, is true and accurate and I can move forward with it. And, and I started out that way. Certainly um, my introduction to occultism was through the satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. And I thought to myself, well, this is, this is what's true and what works because it works for me. But then I tried other systems and they worked too. <laughs> and if they were, if they worked too, then you start to realize that these different systems are more akin to different languages and all languages work. They're all methods of communicating with the universe. Um, exactly. Exactly. I, I'm, all this, these are kind of, of uh, preferred wrappings. I always I have the, the, the image of, of wrapping. Somebody likes the ideas wrapped in this kind of stuff and another person likes this kind of wrapping. Yeah. Yeah. Presented, yeah. yeah. And also, but also the, 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 the image of a different kind of communication system is also very appropriate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For one person, it's better to communicate with, with, these, with these areas, with these realms, with these dimensions, uh, with this symbolism, and another prefers another symbolism. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to think of now, this isn't simply what I, I'm not going to say that I believe this is to be true, but I believe this is a simple way of explaining uh, the idea of gods to people who are maybe an atheist. And I enjoy this. Um, Jordan Peterson said that if anger isn't a God, I don't know what is. And I love that because it's true. Anger is, is a psychic force that can overtake any human at any time and change their behavior and, and make them act in crazy ways. And it's something that we all share. All human beings are, have the capability of anger. And so when I think of anger, I think of uh, the God set, for example, or Mars. And these sort of archetypes of consciousness are are pervasive through through all mythologies and all cultures and what i think is interesting about lovecraft's work is that he he went past the conscious archetypes and went in it went deeper into like the things that may have pre-existed even even those psychic forces and, and maybe that's why the the lovecraftian gods have been so inspirational and um and powerful to occultists because they 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 recognize something in it that is primal and and interesting and speaks to their own subconscious minds. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The whole Necronomicon mythos is really this has great potential uh, to expand our magical imagination into into really into other dimensions, other realms. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, and in and the, you know the the imagery of these interdimensional aliens is wonderful and beautiful and horrifying and and just everything that I love aesthetically. And, and I think that that really helps when you're doing any type of magic, if you can aesthetically, you know, like you were saying, like, I like this type of wrapping 
I like this aesthetic for my magic. Well, the Lovecraftian aesthetic is awesome. It's truly awesome. And that can, can bring a sense of passion to your magic. And that is what will make your magic work better is having that personal connected link to it. Doesn't, it's not about whether or not it's specifically true. It's like, does it speak to your soul? Does it, does it get you excited? Definitely. Definitely. I could only agree with you. Yeah. Um, so here's my next hot button question. Uh, this here, I'm sure many people are familiar with this book. This is the Simon Necronomicon. Um, will your seminar touch on this book at all? Uh, yes, but it will not be the main point. Could you imagine why? <laughs> uh, well, I could think of a number of reasons. It, a, it could spark just nonstop arguments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just, just sum it up. Uh, we, uh, as we know, the seminar is titled Stellar Noses or Stellar yes. Magic. And if you look closer to the Simonomicon, the Simon Necronomicon, you will find that basically this kind, this Necronomicon, it's more like the traditional grimoires. Yes. But uh, wrapped in the Sumerian imaginary. Yeah? Right. And imagine symbolism. Yeah. I think a lot of people get confused because they'll buy this book thinking that they're getting a book of, of Lovecraftian magic, when in fact it is a book of Sumerian magic. Exactly. That's a, when you look closer, you can see uh, you can find planetary magic. We mentioned before the planets as uh, symbols for, for psychological uh, qualities, for example, because when you look at the seals and the gates, you have these seven classical planets, like uh, from, from Moon to, to Venus and uh, up to Saturn, but uh, wrapped uh, in the symbology of the Sumerian. Yeah? So, so you have you find Marduk and Ishtar and all these names for these planets. So so it's basically it's it's not going beyond our planetary system. It's 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 just planetary magic. And then you look further, you could find these fifty names, these demons, like in the classical grimoires. You have sigils or seals. You have names. You have short descriptions about these areas in which they are working, which how you can uh, use them. And also the author elaborated in his further in his further books. Yeah, one book, the, one of the follow up books was called the Necronomicon Spellbook, and it also only was dealing with these 50 demons or 50 entities. And later on, uh, the, what was it, the Book of the Gates or something like this, uh, the Gates of the Necronomicon, and the Gates of the Necronomicon. It only deals mainly with these seven gates, with these seven traditional planets uh, under the name of, of the Sumerian. So, as you said, yeah, if you're looking for some some really Lovecraftian ideas, this, this Lovecraftian cosmicism of these outer gods, of these gods from the vastness of the universe, yeah, like Cthulhu, like Shubnigurat, and all this other stuff, up to Azatot, uh, you you didn't find very much in the Simon Necronomicon about these entities. No? You, sometimes you find a name which is really a little bit similar, like uh, Cthulhu, written with a K, or Azatot, yeah, it's also quite similar to, to this, but it's, but in the end, it will not open up these stellar dimensions. Yeah, if you are working with the Simon, with the Simon Necronomicon. So I will touch on the on the seminar, uh, but it will not be the main focus of the seminar. Very cool. I'm glad that you're taking it past the uh, our solar system and into the the true stellar gnosis area and into the Lovecraftian gods, because uh, you know, in my way of thinking, when you look at planetary magic or a book like the Necronomicon, any 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 
magical system dealing with ascension through the chakras or through the planets and and that type of system as the ladder of lights presents in the necronomicon you're dealing with exactly like you said our solar system and nothing beyond that and that to me is akin to the conscious mind whereas the lovecraftian gods are the outer realms and now we're getting into the subconscious mind and and the archetypes of our shadow of, of our you know what we maybe call our our moon sign you know the the hidden deep dark stuff <laughs> and i yeah. think that's more fascinating to people i do i do enjoy this book very much and i do in fact uh i've had experience with some of the entities presented in the necronomicon so i'm not not trying to knock it but i do think a lot of people purchase it expecting more of a lovecraftian vibe from the book than they actually get what they actually get is a lesson on ancient samaria which is fascinating yeah, yeah. but Exactly, exactly. I see it uh, in the same way. Yeah, it's 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 totally valid in itself. This uh, the Simon Necronomicon. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's like all like some other grimoires. Yeah, it is a comprehensive system and it's closed in, in into the symbolism and uh, it could be very effective. You get a lot of things to do. You can work with all the spirits, with all the planets, and you could ascend the ladder uh, through the gates. And it's really really valid. Yeah, but. Yeah, as as we said before, yeah, it, it doesn't goes beyond our solar system. Yeah, it's yeah. it doesn't goes into these other realms that we that we just mentioned before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that the author, um, who maybe it's Peter Lavenda, maybe it's not. <laughs> he certainly he denies having written it. <laughs> yeah, um, we you know, all know. <laughs> I, I, we don't know. Uh, the, the story presented is fascinating, though, and I think it's interesting, and and it provides a good amount of. Uh, you know, Anton LaVey said that uh, psychodrama is is crucial to magic, and the book does provide a good amount of psychodrama. Um, but I, I do feel like he he made a bit of a, a leap at times trying to connect the Lovecraftian mythos to the Sumerian mythos. That there, I I could never fully make the connections that he made, um, having studied both. I, you know, I didn't come to the same conclusions, but. I do think he was trying to appeal to that need some people have to say, okay, this is real, you know, and, and that's, that's valid. I think that that's how a lot of people get yeah. introduced to the craft uh, yeah, or definitely. any type of witchcraft at all. So that brings me to my next question though. Now throughout history, and I don't know if it began with Lovecraft or not, but there have been several books throughout time that have claimed to be the real, the real Necronomicon. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the real Necronomicon. Uh, all the books, all which which claim to be the Necronomicon, uh, and I have about, I think, I would say about 10 there on my shelf behind me, uh, 10 Necronomicons, 10 different uh, editions, and also some other files which you could easily download on the internet. Yeah, And I would say, uh, as a quick answer, I would say, no, there's no real <laughs> Necronomicon out there in the case that we imagine the Necronomicon to be. Because, um, yeah, uh, a lot of people also said, I think it was Kenneth Grant, maybe he, he had the first, he came up at first with the idea, but I'm not sure, that the real, the real Necronomicon doesn't exist in our dimension. It exists as a kind of astral book or uh, as a book in another dimension. And only and people who are approaching it, they only get glimpses out of it. And maybe all these manifested necronomicons are just some some parts of the 
of the, the greater necronomicon, which exists there uh, in some other in some other dimension. And so maybe all of these uh, necronomicons uh, are real in some case, but they are not complete. Maybe they have they are showing some glimpses from the from the necronomicon. They were inspired by the by the idea of the necronomicon and the authors because yeah, when you when an author sits down and writes a book uh, which he entitled necronomicon, he must be inspired by this idea and he must approaching this idea of this uh, necronomicon and he in his way uh, or her way the author wants to uh, present uh, what what's coming up in his mind or in his conscious or subconsciousness when he is dealing with the idea of the necronomicon so maybe all these uh, these editions that are going around are in some way they are real but they are not the complete necronomicon so maybe the, the real necronomicon uh, is, is very huge and uh, it's not we will not be able to to manifest in traditional book form as we know it here on earth but uh, so just uh, i prefer the idea to 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 look at the necronomicon as a kind of inspirational source uh, for all these ideas that we attribute to the necronomicon mythos to extraterrestrial uh, life to to preterhuman life and all these these ideas which are related to this and so this could be a kind of focus for all these ideas and yeah it would be uh, isn't it a nice idea that you could imagine that you are uh, expanding your consciousness, your mind into some other dimension, some other realm, and there you could find a book that you can open, and and there you could find some some ideas, some mysteries, and some 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 inspirations. Yeah, it's a great idea. It is a great idea. In fact, what you were saying. I think that makes a lot of sense that the Necronomicon could in fact be sort of an astral realm book. Um, two other books that come to mind are the book of Thoth, which I is, you know, no one knows if it, if it really exists. And I'm not talking about the book of Thoth written by Alistair Crowley. I'm talking about the idea of the the book of ultimate wisdom or even the Akashic records. These are all sort of similar concepts. And what I think is cool, the Necronomicon could be another name for what um, some people in, in some traditional crafts call their own personal book of shadows. You could have your own Necronomicon, your book of personal gnosis. Uh, it could be your book of spells or your book of insights, you know, because Necronomicon translates to book of the dead. And of course, to me uh, or to any occultist, I think they would read that as the book of the other side. And, and what do we get from the other side? Well, we get inspiration and gnosis, and it's personal to every person. It, it filters through them individually and differently, and that's certainly what could have been happening with H.P. Lovecraft. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Now maybe I also manifested a kind of my own necronomicon, yeah, with my new oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because also it deals in the it deals with some with some uh, entities, yeah, from the necronomicon readers in the end, yeah. So maybe this was my glimpse of the of the real necronomicon. Yeah, I, I really think that you're onto something. That that the necronomicon could be this vast uh repertoire of knowledge that could never fit into a physical book as we know it but we each get glimpses of it and and ideas from it receive inspiration receive gnosis from it i love that so um when you went to when you were inspired to create this seminar was it because were you reading lovecraft at the time have you always been a huge lovecraft fan um do you have a personal favorite story from lovecraft yeah. Oh, it's it's. Meanwhile, it's quite a long time ago since I first read a lot of Lovecraft stories. It was uh, as a teenager. I said yeah, it was 
I'm very fascinated and I have to reread uh, even more to this day. And often I just look into some secondary material or in some stories. And when you're asking me for my favorite Lovecraft story, I would say it's a, it's a moment. I think it's, it's call of Cthulhu somehow. Yeah. yeah? And it's so because, good. Yeah. And it also it incorporates many of these elements, for example, uh, there is something going on as which only uh, certain people are able to receive. Yeah? For example, artists are creating weird uh, art, uh, weird paintings and statues of, of strange entities because they are receiving the vibes, the vibrations or something yeah, from, from the outside. Yeah? And uh, so, yeah, especially this aspect uh, really, really uh, inspires me as an artist, yeah, because I'm also working in this kind of way. And also these, these, these cults that are mentioned there in the story are these uh, weird and strange voodoo rites in near New Orleans in Louisiana, yeah, and, mm -hmm. and all over the world, uh, strange cults and sects are, are receiving these vibrations and starting to doing their rituals. And uh, yeah, these ideas are very, yeah, yeah, they summarize uh, very, very good this approach, yeah, that if you are tuning in into these, into these dimensions and using these. Uh, these, uh, the symbolism of the necronomical mythos and to tune in into something beyond our solar system, something which, which, which makes you able to access this, the knowledge and the power in, in the vastness of this universe. Yeah? And all these ideas are really, really good uh, transported in the story yeah? and described in the story. Yeah? yeah, they are. It's such a great story. And I, like you were saying, I think it summarizes and uh, depicts the occult experience in such a, a wonderful way and in such a cool story that's compelling and it's frightening and it's, it's thrilling. And it's got this, what, what I really love about it in, in terms of symbolism is that in the story, if anyone were to, to actually face Cthulhu, he would go mad instantly. And I, and I think that that's a great metaphor for looking at our own psyche, for looking into our own subconscious mind. I just absolutely love that. And, and I do think that, you know, we, we as magicians can go mad in, in a sort of way that the deeper down these rabbit holes we go, you know, you have to keep yourself grounded or you can be looking right into the face of madness. And, and, but we do it anyway, <laughs> we do it anyway, because we want to know, we want to know what's there. It encompasses the occult experience so well. I absolutely love it. So I've got to agree with you. That's, it's my all time favorite. Um, I love the imagery of Cthulhu and, you know, so one of the reasons that I'm so excited about your seminar is that I've done this before, um, not working with the Simon Necronomicon, but even just using the imagery of Cthulhu to create a, a, my own sort of thought formed entity of which to bounce my magic off of. And I found that to be incredibly powerful. And especially for manifestation, I was able to manifest incredible things into my life using an entity that I knew to be at least somewhat fictional. And, you know, I wasn't thinking of Cthulhu as a real thing. I, what I was doing was intentionally creating a thought form based on a book that I enjoyed and bounced my magic off of it and got real results. And that was one of the initial experiences that drew me to chaos magic and said, this is the path for me because I, I realize it's about the potential of your own mind and about understanding that the world is, is sort of built out of symbolism. And that when you understand those symbols, you can use them with incredible power. Yeah, I could only agree. And I think Lovecraft knew that. 
I think he totally knew it. I don't know if he was a magician himself, but certainly he tapped into occult wisdom. I think that that's certain that he was tapping into some sort of, of source uh, of occult wisdom and knowledge and power, the same source that we tap into when we do magic. And, and to go even further, you know, the, the Cthulhu story describes the way in which real religions have manifested on planet earth. I mean, it doesn't over and over and over again, you'll find cultures that have, have tuned into the vibrations of a certain deity and received this gnosis and created rituals and built entire civilizations based on that that particular deity and to see that playing out throughout the story of call of cthulhu is it, it brings shivers to you because you realize this has really happened this is this is a, a huge part of the human story yeah definitely definitely um so how do you feel that the lovecraftian gods differ if they do differ from traditional mythologies like let's say um norse mythology or sumerian or egyptian mythology uh, uh, I would say yes, they differ. Uh, I would say they differ mainly because most of the pantheons are dealing with uh, uh, with the planetary gods. Yeah, like, for example, when you look at the well-known systems in the West, the, the, the Roman gods or the Greek gods, these are only human specialists. Yeah, human psych- uh, human qualities which they are which they represent. And they re- represent these qualities to a to really uh, excessive amount. For example, if you are meeting a, a person who is only possessed by Mars, for example, yeah, who only expresses all the qualities of Mars, I think you would have a hard time to, to, spend, a, <laughs> to spend with this person uh, very long, very long times. Yeah? Because if he's always uh, in an aggression mood, always in anger and always wants to fight and combat and everything, uh, this is not what what's what you could how you could uh, fill your life only with with these ideas yeah mm-hmm. so you also need uh, the other the other gods also and goddesses that's why a pantheon is always uh, tries to include all the qualities that the human psyche expresses yeah and symbolizes so most of these pantheons are dealing with with the human side and uh, especially when we look at uh, at, uh, at uh, some of these uh, occultists who were attracted to the Necronomicon mythos uh, years ago when I was younger and I found out that yeah some people are trying to uh, relate the, the, the entities, uh, the gods of the Necronomicon mythos with, with the planetary gods or with the, with the tree of life of the Kabbalah, for example, attributing the, the entities to the tree of life. It ne- never really satisfied me. I always said, no, these entities uh, like Cthulhu and all the other entities, they are way beyond these systems. They don't fit with these uh, psychological ideas of of of, of humankind. Uh, it's it's really something which which goes beyond all this. Yeah, and so so at the end, only these uh, these mythologies which are dealing with 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 also with these areas beyond could be compared to the to the to the Necronomicon mythos. But as we know, a lot of mythologies. Yeah, they, they found out, okay, there is something greater in the universe. Maybe there is something which, which uh, 
is everywhere in the cosmos and the universe which has created it, but mostly it's really not accessible. For example, in India, they called it, in the Indian system, they called it Brahma, and then they left it alone because it was not really addressable. Yeah, uh, mm. As you said before, humans like to address these qualities, these forces. Yeah, But if you have such a vast force, a vast quality, yeah, which created the whole universe, Yeah, you can't address it for your personal endeavors, yeah, <laughs> because this force doesn't care uh, what you want or what you want to have, and there you have to look for for the specialists in the solar system or in this or on this planet, yeah, to to achieve your your results, your intentions, and everything. And uh, like in the Indian system, for example, in the Voodoo system also, they as a creator god, but they also yeah, it's way beyond, and they were dealing mostly with the lower because they are close to 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 humankind. And this we could find in many systems, yeah, also in Asian system, Asia in the systems like, for example, in Taoism, yeah, you have a great Tao, yeah, and yeah, it's there, but out of the Tao, all the thousand things evolve, yeah, and this is uh, this is where you can handle these things, yeah, and so in many of mythologies you have some greater force but which is not really uh, very uh, suited to, uh, to 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 be addressed by humankind and but you have an, a lot amount a great pantheon of of gods and spirits and demons and other kind of entities uh, which you could address and uh, with with these entities you can communicate and you can interact yeah much more easily and in in this way these the entities of, of of from lovecraft from the necronomicon they are beyond but uh but they are in somehow in some way they they are much more addressable somehow we will come to this later i would say <laughs> yeah um and it's interesting you say that because i think it's it's fascinating that as we on earth as our science progresses we discover forces that go far beyond uh the traditional elements we're looking at quantum forces and we touched on this in, in the last interview but i think this is is brilliant that maybe the lovecraftian gods and they they represent the dissection of that great outer force like the Tao into the qualities of space and time and entropy you know forces that that there were no words for in ancient times that we've only recently discovered and it's it's fascinating that as we discovered them there's also this new pantheon of outer gods that is so appealing to occultists all over the world and that they they sort of link up together I think that that's, it's really, it's fascinating and it's, um, you know, it's, it's the next phase as, as we learn more, we, we create new languages for phenomenon that we didn't know existed before. And so we have to create in the discovery of these phenomenon, there have to be, you know, a, a, like archetypes and psychic forces that go along with them in order to explain them. That's just kind of the nature of how things work. Yeah. Um, so have you, Have you had yourself any personal experiences with with these forces or entities of the Lovecraftian gods? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, in, when I was younger, I participated in rituals which were constructed by some friends of mine, but it was always not really satisfying to me. Yeah? It was more that they were creating a kind of weird and strange atmosphere. And after this ritual, this, this weird atmosphere lasted 
uh, really long. And I was always wondering, yeah, is this the only thing that they wanted to achieve with this kind of working? There must be something more uh, just to create a very weird uh, atmosphere, very, very weird uh, state of mind. Is it all that we want to achieve with this ritual? So I was not really satisfied with these workings or other rituals where people were creating sigils and imagining that their sigil uh, is going down in the, in the ocean, down into the sunken city of to really and there and really when it reaches really it get empowered and so I said no 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 you can't work with with really and with Cthulhu just to empower your sigil to I don't know what you want to get with this sigil yeah and it's it's not the real way but uh, I was really fascinated with the idea and. Uh, several years ago uh, on Arcanorium College, it was an online site which was created by, by Pete Carroll, the founder of Chaos Magic. Uh, there, they were really exploring the, the entities and uh, in a chaos magical way. And out of this, all these the results from these experiments and from these researches were uh, summarized in, in Pete Carroll's book, The Epoch, The Esoterion, Esotericon, The Portals of Chaos, where he also presents a kind of necronomicon, a kind of chaos necronomicon. And uh, these ideas really resonated with me really, really a lot because uh, the entities were not... Uh, related to, to the planetary gods, like I said before, to the tree of life or something, but they were really beyond, beyond the planetary system. And uh, so I, unfortunately, I was not a member of this Arcanorian College when they were creating all these ideas, but later I became a member and also a tutor of Arcanorian College. And then we did some, some long-term workings with, with these entities. And uh, I participated in, in both of these, these working and each working lasted one year long as a group. It was a group of international magicians, uh, which were coordinating through, through this website. And we were going from one entity to, to the next. And uh, we used uh, the main six main gods of the Necronomicon Mythos. Uh, starting with Niala Totep, uh, with then with Cthulhu, Shubnigurat, Hastur, Yogsotot and Azatot. And for each, uh, it was nearly one or two months, uh, yeah, about two months for each uh, of these entities. So we ended up with a cycle of, of one year. Yeah? And in the first uh, working, it was more that we were making contact with these entities and we were asking our personal questions and wanted to know uh, wanted to receive knowledge that was relevant to, to each of the participants. And in the second run, we coordinated these questions uh, even more so that not everybody was, uh, in, for example, in the, in the Cthulhu months, everybody was asking his or her own questions, but we, before and we, we came together on the internet and then we exchanged idea what we want to ask. And so we came came out with with a bunch of questions for each of these entities, and each of us was asking the same questions when each of us was doing our own ritual. And this was really a quite intense and intense period. Both of these entities, and it, for for me personally, it doesn't stopped after each of these years. Yeah, it's it still continued. 
in several ways afterwards and to, yeah, till today. And uh, so in my seminar, I, this is basically the approach that I will present. I will give an overview uh, of all these ideas that we have discussed up till now in, in here in our interview now. And uh, then we will. I will look at these at these main gods uh, from from this chaos magical point of view, because in what makes it so specific is that, uh, as I said before, uh, humankind liked to likes to per personify personify uh, some forces, some qualities, uh, uh, so it could be better addressed. And so these entities from the Necronomicon meters are very much suited. Uh, as addressable forms uh, in the outer realms, so uh, they could. We decide. We looked at the. We looked at these all these uh, ideas that uh, came uh, came along with these entities. How they were described in the, in the stories and uh, from by Lovecraft and his follower and his uh, followers later on. And so we find out that there are some some special traits which really. Uh, are very unique to each of these entity. And uh, for example, uh, when we start uh, uh, with Nialatotep, uh, he's a kind of uh, portal, he's a kind of emissary. Uh, he's a gate to, 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 to the to the elder gods, I, I we just told them they called them the elder gods. I know that Lovecraft he differentiated, and also in the mythos you have the old ones, you have the great old ones, you have the elder gods, and you have the deep ones and everything. Uh, we just called them the elder gods. Yeah, it, it's it's not that we wanted to be very uh, authentic with uh, with uh, and differentiate each of them. But these are only the elder gods, or you could call them also the outer gods or the old one. It doesn't matter. So Niala Totep, it's a kind of of portal uh, to these other to these other entities because Niala Totep is uh, it's mainly the only only entity who appears in a, in a semi uh, human form. Uh, he appears in, in many in thousands of different forms, but mostly they are somehow human. Yeah. In comparison, for example, to 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 the depictions of Yogg-Sothoth, who is just a mass of globules of spheres or something like this, yeah, and uh, like like a cosmic foam or something like this, yeah. And but Nyarlathotep and also Nyarlathotep represents the uh, yeah the will of the magician to yeah to 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 reach out to the stars, to to reach out for all this knowledge, to reach out for the powers which could be found there, because. Uh, yeah, some. If you want to know something about uh, life and the universe and everything, uh, it must be found somewhere in the universe itself. Yeah, and so these entities could be very helpful for us to to find out even more. Yeah, as I said before, they are not like like Brahma or the Tao or something which is really inaccessible. Yeah, which, but these are like like ways uh, which could be helpful for us as magicians to, to reach out and to get something back that we want. So, for example, the other uh, other entities, Cthulhu. Cthulhu, we, we attributed to Cthulhu everything which has to do with sentience. For example, uh, everything that has to do with, with, with brain or with mind or with consciousness. 
And even if you look at the image, yeah, it's a kind of octopus. Yeah, you have kind mm -hmm. of brain with tentacles. It could be kind of like the neural connections to everything. Yeah, and uh, even if you look at pictures, for example, of of the the, the neural network in the human brain. And you compare it with, this, with the models that scientists created out of the universe itself. Yeah, it looks really similar. Yeah, it's always connected mm -hmm. with uh, like like neural connections or something. And yeah. and also when you look at the idea that Cthulhu lies there in his city uh, of really he lies there dreaming. Yeah, and dreaming is it's 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 an activity of the mind. It's not a body uh, uh, activity. Yeah, and and. As we said before, in the story Call of Cthulhu, yeah, uh, people who are sensible or open to this, they could, uh, they could reach out and they could feel these 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 dreams, yeah, and they could connect to the dreams of Cthulhu. These are all mental stuff. These are all things that have to do with with the mind and with with these kind of areas. And in comparison, for example, Shub uh, Nigavat was called the goat with a thousand young. Yeah, this is a very uh bodily thing yeah and so you could attribute everything which has to do with biology to shubnigavert everything which has to do with the creation and destruction of life uh, could be attributed to shubnigavert so as we could see now these entities could be attributed to really to to the to the ultra ultra structures of reality we have we have uh, sentience sentience consciousness with Cthulhu, we have Uh, biology, evolution, and uh, all these uh, similar things attributed to Shubnigarat. And then we have, for example, uh, Hastur. It's uh, a futility of everything. Everything uh, must be going down at some point, yeah? <laughs> even on a, in a cosmic scale. Yeah? So you have somehow you have mind, you have body, and you have uh, the futility of everything, yeah? and, but on a cosmic scale. Yeah? And Even even going beyond that, Yog Sodot uh, could be attributed with with time and space, and uh, Azatok with with matter and energy and with the core of chaos itself, because he is described is described as a blind idiot god at the center of chaos. Yeah, and uh, so he is creation itself. Yeah, and Yog Sodot. Just imagine the concepts of space and time. If you could get uh, information about this, yeah, you could get information maybe about time travel, about space travel, uh, and uh, other dimensions. And because when we want to reach for the stars, yeah, uh, it's not so. We could not. Maybe as a magician, I would say it's it's not the way that we are building uh, some transport thing out of metal and shoot it out into the stars. And even with a kind of uh, maybe it is a, it's another kind of of space travel that we have to to look out. Yeah, and maybe and maybe Yuk Sotil could help us with this. Yeah, it's more a kind of traveling outside in yeah with a mind somehow with, with some in some other because as we, as we said before yeah as above so below as within so without if we could uh, travel within deep within uh, in the same way we could uh, travel really without and could explore the universe we know this uh, that that people already have uh, are doing this we, we have science fiction and people are imagining all this what could, what, what, what could be going on there in in, in space and uh, people are already doing and we know that that uh, especially science fiction at one 
point, it really comes into life. Yeah, when we look at former science fiction, Jules Verne, it's the ideas of 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 submarines. Yeah, when they still not existed, mm -hmm. of traveling to the moon. Yeah, we know that everything existed. Meanwhile, yeah, we have submarines. We travel to the moon and everything. And maybe all the better science fiction that that is currently around will be also sometimes manifest somehow. Yeah, and. And when you want to travel space, you do you really want to do this in your body? You don't know what ex what what to expect there. Yeah? You uh, some radiations, gra gravity, some other stuff that uh, where the human body is not really fitted. Yeah, with uh, to survive somehow, it's mu it's much better maybe to 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 travel in the mind into uh, into a vehicle which is much more suited. Well, for example, if you have a kind, if you could uh, travel with your mind to another planet and with your mind go into in into one of the inhabitants of this planet because this inhabitant is really suited for this other kind of planet yeah uh, and there you could look through the eyes of of this inhabitant of this planet and explore uh, all this other stuff maybe on the other way around it's already happened that the the, the extraterrestrials are already looking to to our eyes or to, to some of our eyes yeah, and exploring humankind in this way I think so. I was just about to say, I mean, that could be a large part of where our concepts of these gods come from, is that they could be looking right through our eyes, that they've discovered this technology of, of you know, because if we're going to travel to the edges of the universe, the physical bodies just can't do it unless we find some way to, to turn matter into something other than matter and transport it. But consciousness, consciousness can has no limits. Consciousness could travel to the edges of the universe and back in an instant. And, and I think that that's a far out concept, but it's a concept that's pervasive in occult circles and has been for, for decades for a good reason. Uh, even the concept of astral travel, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's, you know, physically we can't do these things, but non-physically we totally can. And it's just a matter of discovering the, the mechanism by which we do it. And I totally agree with you that, that by tapping into these outer forces, that's going to be where we receive the inspiration or the gnosis that informs us how to do this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, as you said, yeah, the human body is not made for traveling so much distance. Yeah, consciousness, we, conscious, consciousness is able, or information. We also know that information is not mm -hmm. limited. Yeah, it could be here, it could be immediately on another uh, another place, and so. Uh, it doesn't. It would not make make much more much sense to just send a spaceship, yes, <laughs> out there that it reaches somehow some other place. It's much more interesting to or some other to to send out some other material stuff out there. It's much more. Uh, it would be much more better to just send out the information, because the information how to build such a device or some or some or something else. This could be really uh, travel immediately through through space and time. Yeah. And so maybe, yeah, and my ideas, and not only my, but uh, to use these necronomicon entities to get more information about all these matters that we just talked about, to get more information about uh, the core processes of consciousness of the mind, to get more information um, about biology and evolution, 
should Nigowood could be a very helpful entity, for example, for our current uh, state of the planet. Yeah, we know that we are heading towards an ecological disaster if we continue this way. And maybe should Nigowood could could help to to change the consciousness in this area uh, for humankind. Yeah, that. Uh, to live together with the biota in a very benign and and uh, uh, very benign ways, yeah. And uh, so uh, it's not only that uh, these entities are are just used for horrific pur purposes or so, yeah. Uh, they could really these 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 qualities that they could represent. Uh, could in the end really helpful as a next step uh, in human evolution somehow because maybe these are the qualities we uh, magicians and, and scientists always looked for yeah so everybody all the time magicians and other people wanted to know the secrets of consciousness the secret of life and everything the alchemists they wanted to discover the uh, the secrets of life yeah the uh, and uh, And maybe uh, with and when working in this kind of paradigm with these ideas, yeah, this could be very helpful. This is a kind of map. This is a kind of navigation map into these realms. And of course, uh, these ideas of Lovecraft that's uh, with his horrific uh, images and everything. When we are approaching such elemental forces about life itself, for example, this could be really horrific. Yeah. Just we know uh, that humankind is able to to make a big mess out of of everything. Yeah, <laughs> we know when people are were able to split atoms. What yeah, what they made out of that atom bombs and other stuff, which is not really 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 benign in the end. Yeah, to many other people. And when people came across the basic idea how to to manipulate uh, consciousness and mind and brain, how to uh, manipulate these areas. Of course, this could be very horrifying. Yeah, when people are using this in 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 these uh, in ways, which yeah, because it's such such a huge amount of knowledge which could be opened there. And if it, if, and as we know, if if these very powerful qualities and uh, this powerful knowledge and uh, could is coming into the wrong hands or is handled in a wrong way. This could be, in the end, very horrific for, yes. for for the people who are using it and for others. Humans always have the tendency to to use this stuff for I don't know for purposes of war, for example, for for dominate other people and nowadays, uh, yeah, to to further uh, consumption of of sheep products and stuff like this. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that some people got more wealthier than others because because uh, people have to buy and consume it and so of course these uh, this could be a very horrific perspective yeah if, if if humankind is not able to deal with such great concepts yeah that uh, that uh, the, the lovecraftian gods could represent yeah but as the magicians we are always on the forefront and we always want to reach uh, to new dimensions and to new realms and so i think As magicians, yeah, yeah, we like to explore these ideas, yeah. And when we look at history, we always uh, the, where, the, where the magicians where anything was coming from, yeah. For example, uh, all the sciences developed out of the esoteric arts, and uh, yeah, we know chemistry as we know it today developed out of alchemy, for example, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, astronomy developed also out of astrology and all this stuff, yeah. It comes all from the esoterists, yeah, all these great ideas, yeah. And so 
maybe uh, some of the these ideas that former magicians created and uh, they resulted in, in, in these disastrous uh, situations that we have now at the moment, how humankind used these ideas uh, in, a, in, a, uh, in a disastrous form. And so nevertheless, as magicians, we, we I, I would say we have, as magicians, we have to look forward, we have to go beyond and even with the risk that it could be horrifying, but it's also our duty to, to make the best out of it and to find ways that it will not be horrifying, but it will be somehow very helpful yeah, for, for the next step in evolution of humankind. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think that we've entered into, and I, I, I mean, I think this is obvious. Anybody who looked, really looked, takes a look at the world, we've entered into a new paranormal paradigm, uh, a renaissance of magic. And it is going to be magicians, the modern magicians and mystics working with scientists who lead the way into the future, because it's going to take the, the close observation of consciousness to, to get a grip on what we can do scientifically and, and to rein it in and to say what's right and what's wrong and start doing things, stop doing things just because we can and start looking at the, the deeper meanings behind what we're doing and that it's it's up to us it's up to the mystics and the magicians to to receive that stellar gnosis and you know have input in the future and to be leaders of thought um you know i just really see that that that's coming i think that there's a mass spiritual awakening happening in the world today and and now that we have the the scientific tools to understand it on a more scientific level and it isn't as religious as it once was, it's more uh, freeform spirituality that that's going to become very popular and and you know change the consciousness of the world. And I definitely think that this is you know we're in a, a phase of rapid evolution that's happening right now, and mysticism and magic are a huge part of that. And that's why I'm so excited to be attending your seminar. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, again, I'm so excited about this. I, I know uh, a little bit about working with Cthulhu as I've done it, but I have not done any work with any of the other outer gods. I'm super excited to, to hear what you have to say about that in the seminar and to, to really do this work. Um, so for anyone out there who's listening right now and who wants to attend the seminar, how do they get tickets? Uh, when is it? And all that good stuff. Uh, you can get uh, all this information uh, on, a, on a Facebook page. Uh, just uh, look for Stellar Noses. On Facebook, there is an event page for the seminar. It's on the weekend. I think it's uh, the, the 10th and the 11th of September. Uh, I have to look up if it's really the, the correct date. Yeah, but it's the weekend and uh, around this time. But it's all you could find it very easily on uh, on this event page. Uh, just tap into Stellar Gnosis or go to my Facebook or my Instagram page or my uh, Twitter page. There are also links to to the to this uh, to the seminar, and uh, it's organized by my Italian friends. Uh, and uh, there you have to write to them. And uh, for the for the tickets, there are also some options there because I did for them a chaos magic workshop seminar last year, nearly one year ago. And you could also get the recordings there you could also get bundles for example yeah to get the recording of, of last year's seminar and uh, together with with tickets for the new seminar and and there's uh, several options um just, just look for on my pages and maybe you could also put a link uh, here under the under the in your podcast uh, yes in the, 
right. to this to this to the event page or to the where you could find more information. Yeah, I definitely will include all the links. Uh, so for those of you listening on Spotify, they'll be in the episode description. Same thing on YouTube. Uh, I'll gather all those links and make them accessible to everybody. Uh, and I attended last year's seminar and it blew my mind. It was so good. Uh, I, you know, that's why I was so excited to have you on the show. It was fantastic. And I, and I want to emphasize that it's, it's better than average because I've been to a lot of seminars. I've done a lot of magical seminars uh, and some of them have been excellent, but yours is definitely the most interactive and inspirational seminar that I've ever attended on magic. So I'm so excited for this next one. Um, Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much yeah, for this very, very nice and kind feedback. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm studying and I'm practicing magic, magic now for about four decades and nearly every day I'm, I'm into this stuff. Yeah. And it's my, my, uh, yeah, that's really my passion. That's really my kind of thing, yeah? art and magic and magic and art. And so I worked with a lot of different kind of people. So I learned how to make the, to coordinate people's in rituals spontaneously and uh, also with long preparations and uh, traditional magic and chaos magic. And I experienced a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, I found out that, that, that meanwhile, I'm uh, at the age where I could re really share my experiences. Yeah? And uh, that most of what I'm sharing, it's not just speculation or ideas that I read in other books, or, but uh, but it's coming from 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 a long time of experience, and yeah, I always get this this feedback that people are really uh, get something out of it, yeah, and yeah, and because I also experienced it before, yeah, I'm just sharing my experiences, not some some ideas or some secondhand information, but mostly it's firsthand information, first experience from my side. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's what makes a difference um, because a lot of times you'll attend a seminar and it's you know a, a a workshop on the hermetic principles, for example, which I've done and it was wonderful and helped me to understand them on a deeper level. But again, it's, it's just reiterating and explaining ancient wisdom or, you know, esoteric knowledge that you could get in a book anywhere, but your seminars are, yeah, all about experience. And the seminar itself is an experience. I remember last year we did the, um, the creation of a servitor. That was fantastic. That's not something you experience in, in a normal seminar. So Again, really excited for this one. You have a wonderful way of of transferring the information and the energy from yourself to your audience. Um, okay, well, that's all we've yeah. got time for today. Thank you so much, Hagen. Uh, again, I'm I'm going to be at the seminar, so if you're out there listening, please come and join us. It's going to be great. Um, really looking forward to it. And thank you again for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Um, I'll see you again, and looking forward to the seminar. And I will see you then. All right. Great. Excellent. Okay. Bye-bye.